Okay, so don't get me crying. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Let me see if I can get myself cheered up here a little bit. Um, years and years ago, I was down at a, <clears throat> a, a preaching meeting, and I don't know really what they call it, a Bible conference revival preaching meeting, something like that. And uh, <clears throat> there was a little Mexican guy sitting in the back. And he had a real heavy accent and stuff, and every time anybody would say anything even remotely good, he would he'd yell from the back, it's good to be saved, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I just loved it. And I got to thinking, man, and so I started, I wrote a song, and this is the truth. Um, I wrote a song, and what I wanted it to be was, you know, like a marching band, you know, kind of thing, you know which is kind of dumb because I don't play drums and, you know, I, I still think it'd be kind of cool to record it that way, but um, nevertheless, I, I had the song, we used to sing it with the kids in our youth ministry years ago, and I had the tune and I had the song and all that kind of stuff, and, and I, I kid you not, three, four, five years down the road, I thought, you know, you do play guitar a little bit, and so like five years and five minutes later, three, however, five and five, whatever it was, I had the song, and so this is it. It's called It's Good to Be Saved, and um, somebody told me who that guy is, and I can't remember who he is, but uh, he, he's still doing it. He's still back in the back. It's good to be saved, you know, so I appreciate that. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a verse and a chorus, and then you get to be the choir. And I tell everybody, everybody, everybody wants to shout in church. They really do, but they don't want to either lower themselves or they don't want to seem like a nut or something, you know. And, and I get it, you know, you don't want to stick out like a sore thumb unless that's your personality to stick out like a sore thumb, which I get that kind of too sometimes. But uh, this uh, it's good to be saved. We'll do a verse and a chorus, and then we'll shout three times, save, save, saved. And then I'll sing, it's good to be, and then shout three more times, save, save, saved. Okay, so three and three, simple stuff. This moves pretty quick. So all you have to do is save, save, save. When it comes to the right time, I'll kind of nod at you. Second time through. And, and if you don't do it right, it all comes out in the wash anyway. Amen, okay? Well, I once was lost in sin, had no peace within. Sorrow filled my heart, and my fear would not depart. But Jesus saved me, and he set me free, oh my to be saved it's good to be saved so good to be saved Jesus the way the truth and life saved my soul he saved my life Jesus saved me and he set me free oh my friend it's good to be saved here we go ready it's good to be saved 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 so good to be saved 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 Jesus the way the truth and life Save my soul, he saved my life. Jesus saved me, and he set me free, oh my friend. It's good to be saved. Now, are you lost in sin, and you have no peace within? Sorrow fills your heart, and your fear will not depart. My friend, take it from me and trust the Lamb of Calvary, and you'll know. That it's good to be saved. It's good to be saved. It's good to be saved. Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. Save my soul, he saved my life. Jesus saved me and he set me free. Oh, my friend, 
good to be saved. Ready? It's good to be saved, saved, saved. It's good to be saved, saved, saved. Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. Save my soul and save my life. Jesus saved me and he said be free, oh my friend. It's good to be saved. Now ten times as loud. Ready? It's good to be saved, saved, saved. It's good to be saved, saved, saved. Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. Save my soul and save my life. Jesus saved me and he set me free, oh my friend. It's good to be saved. Okay, how many of you weirdos did not shout? <laughs> All right, we just kind of call you out, amen. All right, I do appreciate, Brother Mike, I appreciate everything that your church has done for us throughout the years. Um, Brother Bernard, Sister Chrissy, uh, thank you for, uh, I think it was a year or so we came here. I know what it was when um, Brother Yoakum was here. And uh, Brother Bernard... Sweetly and kindly and with his personality says, uh, hey, brother, can we go down there with you sometime? And I'm like, oh, um, uh, I, for years, was not letting people come down because things had just gotten so bad. And uh, when I'm talking bad, uh, by the way, go to the book of Galatians chapter one, if you will. Um, I'm going to do some cheap seat preaching this morning and we'll dig a little deeper this afternoon. Uh, I, I said to Miss Lisa one day, I said, honey, do you know where all the serial killers in Detroit are at? And she looked at me like I'm a weirdo, which I am. <laughs> but she, she looked at me kind of strange. She goes, no, where? I said, uh, they're at our feeding tables. And I was personal friends and kind of pastor to D'Angelo Martin, Detroit's infamous serial killer. Knew him from the time he was a kid, been feeding him. I put socks on his feet one night, took pictures of his feet, helped to be... Part of the reason he he left his DNA all over the place anyway, but he was a he was a trip, and uh, he killed several women. Uh, the Associated Press just called me, and they did an article, and and uh, uh, Sean Lay at Channel Four did another interview with us about D'Angelo Martin, and uh, I got to know some of the news media folks. Got to be good friends with a lot of the local. Matter of fact, Miss um, Lisa and I picked up uh, clothing from. Uh, uh, what? What was his name? Sharp, sharp guy. Jamie. What, honey? Um, she doesn't remember. Um, his wife, his name is Jamie, and I, I ought to remember the little boy's name. Sorry, folks. When you get to be my age, <laughs> you know. Um, I know what his name is, too. It'll, it'll come to me in a bit. But anyway, that, that's the way my brain works. It's, it's in there. It's just trying to find it. Amen. Um, we got to be good friends with uh, Glenda Lewis, whose mama is the gal that was in, who uh, interviewed uh, Rocky Balboa when he was beaten up on the sides of beef in, in the movie. Uh, that's it, her mama. Um, Glenn, what, and what is Glenda's mama's name? Um, Diane Lewis, right, amen. And uh, so we got to know a lot of these folks, and uh, uh, Stephen Clark and a few others. And um, I was always told, fear the news media because they're going to get you. 
and they did, and, they, and they've been extremely nice to me, and I don't know why, and um, I've been able to live kind of a weird charm life, but anyway, back to what I was talking about, I didn't want to have people around us for the longest time there, because it's just like, well, this one's a killer, and then that one's a killer, and every time I turn on the news, well, I know him, and we actually did a candlelight vigil with Mary Sheffield, uh, who was a Detroit City Council president, did a candlelight vigil with her one night, and I didn't re- realize for about a year, two years after that candlelight vigil, some stuff came up about that little girl, pretty beautiful little girl, a little black girl, real beautiful kid that had just graduated from medical school, nursing and whatnot, and this guy was let out of prison early and all this kind of stuff, and he murdered her, tortured her, threw her in a dumpster, and we did a candlelight vigil for her and her family, helping Mary Sheffield out, and long story short, um, Turns out, man, we've been feeding that dude for the last hundred years, too. And it just gets to be the girl, you know. Because, you know, I preached a message down there one night about D'Angelo before the whole truth came out. And I preached a message called, uh, and one of you is a devil. (laughs) And little did I know, man, Jesus said, have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? And it's just like I do it all the time. I scan the crowd. And it may not be this crowd, that crowd, or the other crowd, and, and I kind of come to the place where I'm not as worried about folks that come down with me while we're there, and uh, what I'm kind of worried about is uh, my people who are standing there in the lines that we're preaching to and feeding, and we, anyway, started as a bus ministry back in 1976, I went down to see Mark the Bird Fidrets pitch back in 76, and um uh, uh, Friday night, July the 17th, 1976, I went down there and went to the cast corridor. I was a big time. I loved Bur- uh, Starsky and Hutch, Streets of San Francisco, and Beretta. And I went down there that night and I thought, oh, it's all true. It's just, it's not so glamorous and it's bad and it's a little scary and it stinks, literally stinks. And I thought, man, the stuff that I saw that night is the stuff that I'm working with all the time nowadays. And um, um, I want to go, <clears throat> want to go to the worst and tell them about the best. And um, some people say you're wrong, and they know I'm wrong, and I know they're wrong. And so, uh, anyway. Um, I've got way too many different things I want to say at the same time, but thank you all for helping us. And I'm going to be appealing to a lot of churches to help us. I'm getting to be uh, a little older than I used to be. I've got a few medical issues I've got to take care of. And uh, uh, this last uh, year, um, it's weird. Miss Lisa and I went down, had a great bike week down in Daytona, preaching to bikers, doing our thing down there, working with the homeless, kind of hanging out a little bit with Brother Peacock, and then we, we uh, Miss Drina, and then we went. Uh, I came back home and I had all these ideas in my head and things I wanted to do and pulled my back. And usually that takes me about a week. Well, I was, I was down for a stinking month. And then come, come April, I went and had a tax meeting with a lady. And then after I had that tax meeting, I started feeling sick. I found out some of the folks in her house had been sick. And then um, came down with a wonderful little thing called uh, Community Acquired Pneumonia. And if you ever have that, you don't want to have it again. And so I, I finally was in, uh, sitting there one late Saturday evening, 
and I started coughing and I could hear it and I could feel it. It felt like I had a cracked rib and I used to get those contused ribs and cracked ribs and karate all the time. I thought, well, either you go to the hospital now or you'll have the EMS here by midnight. So I didn't even want to stand up less enough drive over there, but I did. And then uh, I, I should have, I had, that's the first time I've been to the doctor since the 1990s. I just, you know, Brother Roloff used to say, I don't have, I don't, don't have any hospitalization or go to the hospital because too many people die in the hospital, amen. It kind of made sense to me, but <clears throat> I should have went and done something earlier and just got a little antibiotic and then I was cool. And then Brother Mike contacted me and said, we want to come down. And Brother uh, uh, Bernard and Sister Chrissy had been coming down helping us off and on for quite some time. And, and uh, I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying, man. We have always had a wonderful relationship with the police and everything has always been good and, and God has always blessed us. And I'm, I'm chaplain of Vietnam Vets Chapter 9, which is something I always wanted to do to work with all those Rambos and all that stuff. And got to do that and uh, had held police, uh, Detroit law enforcement appreciation luncheons and paid tons of money for their food and all this kind of stuff. And uh, lo and behold, uh, the night that Brother Mike and them come down, for the first time ever, the cops jumped on us and shut us down. And man, I'm, I can't even begin to tell you, I was sick already and then I was heartbroken. Like, I, I just can't believe this. And um, for the very first time in 47 years, I, all of a sudden I start looking over my shoulder for the police. He said, man, that's some kind of ministry you got there, Brother Joe. I mean, you're dealing with the worst of the worst and you have very little results and now the cops hate you. Yeah, amen. And we've been into it with the and we've been into it with the city of Detroit a couple times too, so it's a real blessing. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, um, the Book of Galatians. Anyway, this has been some kind of year. God, or 2023 was, and it was almost like 2020 to me with a kind of like the the shutdowns and stuff, a different thing, but. I'm going to do a, a cheap seat preaching this morning, and I hope you enjoy this. I hope you get something out of it. What I mean by this is this is not super deep and spooky and scary doctrinal and all this kind of stuff. And might seem a little too rah-rah-ree for some folks, but um, I hope this will be a blessing. Let's have a little word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, I do pray right now that you'd open this book once again to us. And help us, under, actually, Lord, open our understanding and help us to get what you'd have for us. So encourage our hearts today, and this I ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, Galatians chapter 1, look over at verse number 13. And we'll read verses 13 and 14, and then I'm going to jump over to uh, Galatians chapter 6 for just a minute towards the end of this. Um, brother, what time do you normally end? It don't matter, we got lunch after. Okay. Um, I was, I was kind of pouting. He said, well, we're, we have a service and then we're going to have lunch. We're going to have another service. And I went, oh man, you mean I got to try to keep people awake after you eat? <laughs> Don't, if, if I fall over while I'm preaching, just leave me, just throw, throw a blanket on me. I'm all right. Amen. All right. Galatians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. The apostle Paul is speaking to the church there. And he says, for ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited. In the Jews' religion, above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Now you say, well, what in the world? Okay, well, let me break this down a little bit, and I think you'll get this, and 
I think this will jump right off the pages at you. Three things that I see here, plus some other things we'll look at, and we can also dovetail this into this church age. All right, Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul said basically three things here, and I'll show you something else in just a second. He said, for ye have heard of my conversation, there's number one, in the times past in what? In the Jews' religion. So number one, I want you to see here, he says he has a conversation. He has something that he knows. Um, I, I get a little aggravated sometimes with both the people on the streets that I preach to and the Christians as well sometimes. When I see it, I get it. I try to tell folks, listen, listen, and they ain't going to listen um, I have a, th a thing that I preach about all the time that the bridge is out. And back in the 70s, I heard an illustration how this uh, some guy was driving down the road one night and he came up and there was a bridge there. And he, he was just going to do, it was a Saturday night and he's heading towards town. And Saturday night was the big party night and all that stuff. And he drives off of this bridge. It's a real story and I wish I could document it and know exactly where it came from. I've found a story, but I'm not sure that was the right place. I want to put it down south, but it may have been upstate New York, but I think the reason why I want to put it down south because the preacher that told this when I was a kid, Cotton Elms, was about six foot seven Florida uh, cracker down there, and he, uh, he from, because he's from down south, I just assumed it was down south as a kid, but it may, may or not have been. But anyway, this guy drove off this bridge, and his car goes uh, careening off this bridge because the bridge, uh, a dam had broke up there and came down there and walked, washed that bridge out. Boom, down the water he goes. So he swims to the shore, gets out of the car, gets to the shore, starts crawling up the shore. And as he's on his way, way up, he had to get out of the car. Now he's all wet. He starts crawling through all the bramble and the bushes and the muck and all that stuff, going up the riverside where the waters come through and washed everything away when that when it knocked that bridge out. And he finally got to the top. While he's going up there, a couple of cars drove off that bridge and landed in the water. He finally gets up there. He gets in the way. Do your head like that, amen. He gets in the way. Amen. amen. He gets in the way, and he's trying to stop people from killing their fool selves. And he gets out there. His clothing is, is torn up. He's got blood all over him from being all scratched up, trying to get up that side of that embankment there by this river. And he gets up there, muck and blood and torn clothing and stuff, and his hair's all wet. And he's looking all wild and he's saying, stop, stop, the bridge is out. And people would swerve around him, get out of the road, you stupid drunk. What's wrong with you, you fool? And slide around him and take off across that bridge. And he's begging with them and pleading with them and warning them. He's doing everything he can to stop folks. And three, four, five cars, don't know how, uh, how many went off the bridge. And finally, some old farm boy came down there and he's got a, pickup truck and a load of hounds back there and that guy slows down and says what mister what in the world are you doing you're gonna get run over he says please listen to me this bridge is out people are dying can you please help me stop everybody well the guy he parks and turns his bright lights on to so the other side of the river something's going on his flashers and he he blocks the bridge essentially so nobody else the guy was trying to be a hero and ended up a zero and finally, he did get some folks saved, and he did try to bail some folks out of their trouble. But if nothing else, he was the fool by the bridge, amen. 
He was trying to stop people from dying. But I want you to see here that the Apostle Paul, number one, he says, you've heard of my conversation. He knew something. In what? In the Jewish religion. Now, we're talking church right now. But if you don't know how to fly an airplane, I don't want, I don't want to be one of your passengers. Amen. Uh, if you don't know how to cook, <laughs> bless your heart, you know. Let's go to the restaurant. Amen. You know, you know what I mean? If, if, you don't know how, if you don't know how to do electrical wiring and stuff like that, don't wire my house. Amen. And you know how many religious nuts there are right now that don't believe one word of this book. They're making a full-time living in some pulpit someplace, mis, misguiding people, saying, go ahead, the bridge is good. The Apostle Paul says here, you've heard of my conversation in times past in what? In the Jewish religion. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He knew his stuff. He knew what he was doing. I mean, he knew the book as well as any of his peers. There was nobody that knew the book any more than Saul of Tarsus did, who became the Apostle Paul. Now, I said all that just to say this. We need to know our book. We need to be studying our book. I'm at a place right now, I don't get to study like I used to because I, I have a clothing ministry. <laughs> it keeps me just a little busier than it did when I was younger. And, um, you know, sometimes it just gets to be where um, there's been times some of the best messages I've ever had in my, come to me in my entire life. Uh, I, I love preaching around Christmas time. I love preaching around Easter time. I love preaching around Halloween time. A lot of ammunition in all those, those time periods. I, I, I absolutely love it. And one of the funny things about Christmas times is, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be driving down the road listening to one of those radio stations, bless God, that's evil, and that kind of stuff, and you'll be listening to some of that Christmas music on the radio, and you hear a song, Do you see what I see? And I'm thinking, bless God, that'll preach, you know. And I'll write that down. Man, some of my best messages, I mean, I'm getting it on the way to go preach while I'm heading down there. You know why I can do that? I've been around this book my entire life. I can note things out of my head because I've been around this book my entire life. I tell everybody, when I was a little boy, I went to Stone Baptist Church, which later became Rochester Hills Baptist Church, and I got my Ph.D. in flannel graphs. Okay, some people get that. That's them little paper cutout things that had that stuff that sticks to the felt. My mother was a Sunday school teacher. I never had my mother as a Sunday school teacher myself, which is good because she'd have killed me. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, um, I used to go home and I'd pull all of her flannel graphs out and I'd put them on the ground and I'd, I'd spend hours in there preaching to myself and teaching those Sunday school lessons all over again. Uh, when I went to Bethany Christian, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm telling you, I grew up in Sunday school. It was almost osmosis. I tell everybody when I'm preaching on the streets, these guys here, and Miss Chrissy hears and Miss Lisa hears it so much, it gets boring for them. But I, I preach to these guys. Some of you, were, you went to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. You went to the shut-ins on, on Sunday afternoons. You, you, uh, you went to Wednesday night evening service. You went to Thursday evening visitation. You went to Friday night youth ministry or street preaching or Friday night teen soul winning and, and, and or you were in the bus ministry, youth ministry on Saturdays. Seriously, we, we run into them all the time on the streets, hooked on dope. I mean, just as bad as anybody else, what I refer to as church brats, just like me, as saved as I am, know as much book as you and I do. 
But they got messed up. Anyway, that's another whole message. But the Apostle Paul said, you've heard of my conversation in times past in the Jewish religion. How did, let me, let me stay right there. He knew his stuff. Here's the point. Let's get to know our stuff. Let's know this book. This is the key. Do your head like that. You say, what you getting at, Brother Joe? The more we know about this, the less the devil can pull off on us. That's good preaching right there. I'm telling you what. You've heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion. Now watch this. You've heard of, heard of my conversation. That's knowledge. He had a knowledge. He knew what he was talking about. In times past in the Jews' religion, that's what he knew. How that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Number one, he, he had knowledge. Number two, he had to work. What was he commissioned to do? To persecute the church of God and waste it. Did he do his job? Absolutely. Were, were, were all the members of the churches everywhere terrified of him? Absolutely. Did they know him by name? Did they know him by reputation? Why? Because he did a good job at a bad thing. Um, I'm weird in multiple ways, and I, I honestly appreciate, this is going to sound really stupid, don't do this just because I bring this up, but you know punk rockers with an orange mohawk or a green mohawk or a blue mohawk or a rainbow colored mohawk and that kind of stuff, and they got one of these things walking around, that kind of stuff, at least you know where they stand. <laughs> at least you know where they're coming from. I get around people, uh, I, uh, some of these old rock bands from back in the day, I'm thinking, you old fogey, you. I'm telling you, get some skinny old hippie. Does anybody know what a hippie is? Get some skinny old hippie up there. He's dancing around, still bopping around with a, his, his whole stinking band is still together. And I'm thinking to myself, would to God people had enough, would to God Christians had that kind of stick to it? I mean, just you. I ain't going to quit. You ain't going to make me quit. You're not going to run me off. Nuts to you and the whole boatload, boatload with you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Um, for you've heard of my conversation in times past. He had a knowledge. Number two, he had a job to do. You know what his job to do was to waste the church, to persecute the church. Did he? Yes. Did he do a great job? Yes, he did. One thing that's funny about this, Saul of Tarsus knows his stuff, and boy, he hated Christians. He hated them. He hated them. He hated them. I mean, he was after them. Every time he'd stomp down over here, boom, ashes would fly all over the place, and he sent people out on missionary adventures, and he was trying to kill the church off, and all he did, ended up doing was spread the church. Lord's in control. And by the way, about your 16th anniversary here, can I say something? Well, I'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to back up and stay on topic. Number one, he had a knowledge. Number two, he had a work. I don't understand why anybody doesn't want to be the best at, the, at what you're doing. Walk into a place and you see people, they're just so haphazard about things and they don't want to do a good job about things. And they're just biding time, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, Miss Lisa and I, you, when we were working with the kids in our youth ministry, we'd take our kids to a, a restaurant. 
And you would see the people's eyes opening up as they see this, you know, 15, 20 kids come walking in. They're like, oh, no, kids, you know. And teenagers and kids, and we go walking in there, and, man, they were just mortified, thinking, oh, Lord, God, you know. And we'd get in there, and we'd make our kids act right. I had to teach my, I said this to JB one time, I don't, I don't reward bad behavior. I remember we had a conversation over with my kids. It's just like, I finally reached a spot. So, okay, this, this ain't floating. But uh, um, we go inside that restaurant, and those people were terrified. And then when we went to leave, we, we taught our kids to say, please, may I, thank you, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, to have some propriety and act like you got a brain in your stinking head. I had one of my boys one time showing, yeah, he's a kid, he was probably, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years of age, and he wanted to show off for his peers. And he slouched down, mm, you know, <laughs> sit up. This ain't, the, this ain't the rescue mission. Sit your behind up, amen. I almost said but, but I didn't, amen. But, mm, and we were in the restaurant one time, this kid is sliding off in the floor, and he orders the young waitress, Get me some chips. And I looked up, man, I went after him, and I was ready to rip his little, <laughs> put some knots on his head and rip his ears off or something like that, rip his lips off, you know. And I'm, but something happened. She beat me to it. Yeah. Miss Lisa got a hold of him. Shut your beard. You know. <laughs> One of our boys used to say, he, he's mean, but she means it. <laughs> and uh, it, it was weird. You could take these little inner city kids from southwest Detroit in the Cass Corridor, and these kids learned the King James Bible and knew how to quote the King James Bible. Some of them couldn't even read or write normal English, but they could still quote the King James Bible and understand what it means. Knowledge, work. You have to know what you're doing. That's good. Let, let's learn in the book, okay? We, we got time. Let's learn the book. Number two, whatever you're going to do, do it. Don't do it half-heartedly. Don't do it like you don't care about it. If you don't care about it, go find something you care about and go do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, we're missing that. We're missing that. I know well, everything's terrible and doom and gloom, all the kind of stuff. I find some of the young people that I get around very refreshing. Because they haven't been soiled by a lot of us baby boomer, doomer, gloomers that God can't do anything and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Nobody's ever taught you that everything's absolutely terrible and it's going to hell in a handbasket. Some of y'all just think, hey, God can still do something. And guess what? You're right. He can. Which leads me to my next point. For you've heard of my conversation, that's knowledge, in times past, in the Jewish religion, that's what he knew. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted. That was his work. And he did it. And he was great at it. Why do you want to just be lackluster at anything? I mean, give it your all. Be good at it. Go out of your way to compete against yourself. Amen. And watch this. And profited, boy, there's an interesting word. And profited in the Jewish religion, that's what he knew. When I watch this, above many of my equals, hmm. So there were other people who knew what he knew. 
There were other people who were ready to work also. But watch this. And profiting the Jews' religion above many of my equals in mine own nation, same bolt of cloth, amen. Now read these words. Being more exceedingly, and that is an L-Y ending, which is an adverb which shows extent. Being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Now, here it is. You have a bunch of guys over here, they're know-it-alls. They knew a bunch of stuff. And you have a bunch of guys who are willing to work. But you got this one guy that's saying, for you heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how the beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, being how, 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 being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Well, knowledge, work, and here's the fun part, zeal. If it ain't fun, why do it? I know there's tons of stuff you do because you have to do it and there ain't no fun about it whatsoever. But thank God when you can do something that can be fun, you might as well. You might as well enjoy what you're doing. By the way, I have one of the most depressing ministries in the world. I have a ministry that I go home all the time and cry. Miss Lisa and I, sometimes we, she'll say, don't even look at me, don't even look at me. And we, we, because I start telling the story and I start weeping because I'm so soft-hearted. I've, been, I've had my heart pulverized so many times I can't even see straight. So many kids that I said, the bridge is out, don't do this, and boom, right off the edge of the bridge. Destroyed themselves, dead. So many, I've buried generations of people on the streets of Detroit. But you know what? Having said all that, I still have my PhD in flannel graphs. And if I'm going to do something, I'm going to work at it. I'm going to work at it. But, you know, preaching on the street, the kind of stuff that I do, it's fun. And I enjoy challenging people. And there's something really weird about showing up. <laughs> That's an understatement. There's something really weird about showing up where you ain't supposed to be and preaching to folks that don't really want to hear what you got to say anyway, you know, that kind of thing. And, and the shock, uh, Miss Lisa said there was a good-looking young police officer. He, she said, she's a good-looking kid. Come over there, and this good-looking young officer pulled up there, and, and starting off 2024. Amen, amen. By the way, the police ran us out of southwest Detroit, Precinct 4, because of Ford Motor Company. $350 million in that train station in Corktown. Now, the ho homeless have been removed. I took it very personally. It had nothing to do with me. It's FOMOCO. Amen. So, okay, I've been kicked out of better places than this. Amen. You know. But yeah, there really is something. You know, I know, I know enough about the Bible that I know, I know I need to do something. And then I'm willing to work in it. But bless God, I, we left the other night. There are some nights that are really bad nights. There are some nights who are, that are really good nights. There are some, lots of nights that are so good, rather that it's so bad that it's so good. If you, can I explain that to you? Miss Lisa and I went down there one night. We pulled up at one of the corners there in Transylvania. We pulled up there, and the whole block that we were getting ready to preach at, which is where we preached Friday night and fed Friday night, 
Every single girl that was out there on the streets on the stroll hooking was a guy. Every one of those girls was a guy. Yeah, every one of those girls was a dude. And dude, dude looked like a lady. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, live and... And we pulled up there and I'm thinking to myself, Lord God, who has a ministry like this? I do. You know, that's what I want to do. When I first went down there in that area... It was during the disco days. And there was all these dudes standing there. And they're all leaning up against the wall with their shirts off. And a friend of mine told me what was going on here. And I'm looking straight out like this going, Oh no, they're going to see me. Oh, you know. And uh, they're all up against this wall with one leg up like this. Every one of them with their shirts off all standing there looking at the cars going by. I thought, Oh Lord God. And I never thought God would ever break my heart over that stuff. Back in 2012, Brother Jack Patterson and I went down there. We were trying to find a little gal by the name of Elise, who was at the, the Notorious Victory Inn. And she was attacked two times in one day by the same man. And we went down there to find her to try to... Jack had set up some new Christian home in, in a, some church someplace and then... We wanted her to get down there. It's probably better that she didn't because she'd ate those poor people alive, man. I mean, she, she's a pro. And she's a female, by the way. But I took Jack up to this other place, and I told him, Dude, whatever you do, do not, do not jump off on these people. Don't, don't play the mean Baptist routine. I said, I'm trying to work and get in on this crowd. He goes, Oh, brother, I won't. Y- y'all know Jack? Okay, y'all 12 foot tall of him, you know. I walk off to get the hot dogs to come back to feed people. And here's Jack, and he's preaching to two guys dressed like women. I thought, dude, I know you. Brother, I know you know better than this. But I didn't realize what he was doing. By the time I got over there, he's got them both cracking up laughing. He's pretending he's a windsucker preacher. And he's going on like that. And he's got the two of them just dying laughing. And about the time I woke up there, he said, tell me something. You know, his his mind's like mine, you know, and he says, tell me something. What took you, say, from the fourth grade to this street corner? And boy, they both got that face going. Is this being taped? Okay, I won't say the street, I won't say the street names, but these two guy girl, these two dudettes, they, uh, they say, uh, both of them, different stories, different crowds, our parents knew a guy, and he did this, this, and this, and here I am. And I'm telling you what, I felt like the dirtiest hypocrite in the world. Know why? If you do that to a little girl, I'm going to rebuild you. And I'll take it up with the Lord later. You say, why is that, Brother Joe? Because of all the other thousands of young women that I've known who have gotten trashed because of that very thing and they're self-medicating themselves to, do- to death with crack and with heroin and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And I mean, I just, <clears throat> you know, you say it's in the flesh. Yeah, that's in the flesh. But um, I never thought about what happens to little boys. But I thought to myself, my God, we're, we've missed it by a mile. 
far more than a mile. Here's an entire broken world. Let's go tell them there's no hope. Here's an entire broken world. Let's go act like we hate them. In Jesus' name, bless God. You say, I don't think you're right. I know I'm right. And streets full of church brats, just as saved as you and me, know as much book as you and me, grew up in church just like you and me, and they messed up. They got to deep messing with something they should have never. The bridge is out. Guarantee you, grandma or grandpa or mom or dad or preacher or somebody told them that when they were young, but they still messed up. Let's finish this. Number one, Paul had a knowledge in the Jews' religion. Number two, Paul had a work to persecute the church. Number three, Paul was excited to persecute us. And then one day, going down the Damascus Road, the Lord said, Boink! Down he went. Saul! Saul! Why persecutest thou me? Don't you know it's hard to kick against the pricks? That's an ox goad. So you, you want some of this? <clears throat> you know. You say, what happened to Paul? Oh, he learned the book, so he had a new knowledge about the Bible. And then God called him, and did anybody in the New Testament outwork the Apostle Paul? No. And was he zealous? <laughs> I kind of think so. Knowledge, work, zeal. Knowledge, work, zeal. Knowledge, work, zeal. You got to know what you know. You got to work at it. And if you're going to do that, you might as well be excited about it. Now, I said, I'm done right here. I said to you folks, I was going to leave a comment off till later. Did you know this was not supposed to happen? Did you know years ago, this church, 16 years, a bunch of people getting saved, a a good young man, excited young church and all this kind of stuff. I was told 30-something years ago plus, the, the baby boomer, doomer, gloomer thing, which we got from some of the folks who were a little bit older than us, that, you know, the great falling away and the man of sin and, um, and, and uh, shall he even find faith and all the rest of this kind of stuff, I was told, and I kind of figured this out on my own to begin with, and I was mistaken. I didn't think this was going to happen, and America was just going to slide and slide and slide. But look at this. People getting saved. People learning the book. People got a job to do. People are excited about God. You mean some of our instructors may have been wrong about a few things? Yeah, do your head like this. In this area, I've got one of my friends, oh, bless God, there's only a remnant left. Dude, the problem ain't your church, the problem's you. You get up and tell everybody there's no hope, guess what, after a while they're going to think there's no hope. Can I... Tell you something, there's hope. God can still do what God wants to do because he's God. And he doesn't even need my permission. That's one of the things that bugs me about Detroit. Kick me out of here, uh, out of the fourth precinct that we've worked for 100 years, and you didn't even ask me if you had had my permission to rebuild that building down there. (laughs) And they didn't think to ask me, you know. Anyway... Number one, Paul had a knowledge. He knew his stuff. 
Number two, Paul had a work. Number three, he was excited. Um, and, pro and profited in the Jews' religion above, above many of my equals in my own nation. How? Being more exceedingly zealous. There's lots of people who know the book. Dun, 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 dun. And some are even willing to work, but they have no pep in their step. They have no hope for the future. Well, Jesus might come tomorrow. Good. And if he does not, so what? We got a job to do. Let's get at it now. The one thing that Paul had that his own peers in his own nation and the reason that he um, profited and exceeded the rest of them is because he was excited about what he was doing. Brother Joe, you have a depressing ministry. Yeah, and I'm excited for the next time I get to go down there. Brother Joe, sometimes your clothing ministry gets heavy. Yeah, and I can't wait to get a bunch more stuff to give the folks who don't have nothing. Well, Christians, if we tell the world, well, there ain't no hope. Everything's going to hell in the handbasket. There's no hope for tomorrow. Just let me get out of here. Don't expect them to show up and get what you got. <laughs> if that's you, I don't want what you got. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Um, I'll take a young and exciting congregation or some old folks that are excited or some people who want to do something or some folks that think there's, there's a little bit of hope for the future. Um, if Jesus doesn't come back right away, what are we going to do? Well, we can trust politics. Are you kidding? I mean, seriously, are you kidding? All these immigrants, 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 immigrants. Well, we better start getting some gospel tracts and go find these immigrants and tell them about Jesus for a while they're here. Do your head like that. I don't like your politics. I don't like politics at all. You can have my end of it. Amen. <laughs> Do your head like that. Amen. All right. Knowledge work zeal. Knowledge work zeal. Knowledge work zeal. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for this dear preacher. Appreciate what everybody else has done for us with the, both financial support and, and sometimes unbelievable checks that they've helped us out with. And Father, for all the knights out there working on the streets with us and passing out clothing and loading it, unloading the trailer and reloading the trailer and all the other stuff that's happened. I just pray, Father God, you'd be with us, help us, and guide us. Give us a pep in our step. God, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for the book. Thank you for the work. And Lord, thank you for the zeal. And I pray, God, you would encourage us. Keep us going. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.